podcast with Pastor Rick Hale, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Roswell, New Mexico. I'm your co-host, Sean Lee. We're so honored that you joined us today. It is our purpose at Living Your Dash to help you better connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Well, welcome back to this episode of the Living Your Dash podcast. And so, hey, Rick, we just finished, uh, you just finished a message called Finishing Strong. And, uh, you know, that makes me think about, I don't know why it does. It makes me think about athleticism. And so, you know, Rick, just quick question. You, I mean, you're an athlete or had an athletic uh, phase. What, what's the most memorable race or game that you played? Oh, that's a great question. Um, the first one that comes to my mind is when I was 12 years old, I was on a Little League team. Ooh. And it was a great, great group of athletes. We were very fortunate that year. And I grew up in Texas, and uh, our team won second in state. Whoa! Um, in Little League, the team that beat us went on to win the World Series in Little League. Whoa! So it's it's nice if you can't win the World Series. It's nice to say we got beat by the team <laughs> who did win the World Series. <laughs> so you're saying that you could, if you beat them, you would have won the Little League series? Well, their team actually said that we were probably the toughest team they beat on the road. Whoa, what did you, what position did you play? First base and pitcher. Holy smoke. Wow. Wow. Okay, so how about you, Sean? You got a memorable experience? It certainly wasn't baseball. I knew that, you know, every team sport I've ever played in, I was picked last. So, I thought they were being racist and no, they were just <laughs> saying that you're just not a good athlete. About the only thing that I can do is I do like to do the milkman every year. Which is a swim? It, it is uh, three sports. It, it is a 400-meter swim and then a 20-kilometer uh, bike ride, which is about 12 miles, and then a 5K, which is 3.1 miles. And uh, so the second one I did, a long time ago, I inhaled some water, Lake Van water. And so if you've ever smelled Lake Van, you know that, that that's a dangerous thing. And so, but, so I had to cough all that water up and I ended up like rupturing some blood vessels in my throat. And so I was actually spitting up blood at the oh. end. It put me in the hospital. I had aspirated so much water. Um, but uh, anyway, my I got a note from Dr. Ray Martinez. Ray, I hope you're listening because I'm putting you on the spot because you gave me a note. You're a bonafide tough guy. How about that? <laughs> bonafide tough guy. Okay, now... Now, just thinking about that finishing strong idea, uh, it makes me think of a saying that, you know what? The best flight in the world doesn't make a difference if you don't make a good landing. <laughs> Landings are very important in yeah. flight and in life. Yeah. So let's talk about the good landings because I, I think that's what you were following on. Um, this past week, you talked about three things, forgetting the past, focusing on the on the prize, and following godly people. Now, uh, Rick, I got to tell you, I'm one of them. A lot of us have made some pretty big mistakes in life and the consequences still follow us. How do we not feel like failures? How do we forget the past? Do we just pretend they never happened? Well, one thing that helps me is to remember that the Apostle Paul is the guy who wrote this passage in Philippians chapter 3 that the Apostle Paul is the guy who said, hey, you can forget the past. You say, well, that's easy for you to say. Mm -hmm. We have to remember, before Paul became a Christian, he killed Christians for a living. Yeah. Can you imagine the guilt and the remorse 
once he became a Christian, when he looked in his rearview mirror and saw the death of brothers and sisters in Christ, he saw families that were destroyed because he either killed a family member or arrested a family member or a person. So we can't say, well, Paul, that's easy for you to say. You're a famous apostle. No, he knew what it meant. And when I look at Paul and say, you know, if if Paul was able to forget his past, any of us can forget our past. Yeah. You know, a thought just occurred to me, Rick, that, that one day all time is going to stop. We're going to be sitting around the great banquet table of the king, and every one of us will have to say, I caused the king's death. Yeah, yeah. We put Jesus on the cross. Yeah. I mean, our sin. Yeah, it's my sin, my fault. And yet he's the one that wants me to sit at his table. And it's it's as if I, I sometimes think, well, um, I don't know how he does it, but it's like he knows exactly what I'm going to like to eat. And he's so glad I'm there. Um, how- well, and I, I believe, you know, you mentioned what's the secret? What's the key? I believe a big key that unlocks the door to forgetting your past it is learning to, to separate Low self-esteem versus God's perspective on your life. See, it's easy to say, look at my past. I'm done. I'm toast. God could never use anyone like me after what I've done. But God looks at us through the sacrifice of Jesus and says, you are forgiven. You are without blemish. You are holy in my sight. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. Sean, a big step is learning to see ourselves through God's perspective rather than the perspective of our past. It, it really is a perversion, isn't it? When, when I say, oh, God, I know you can't use me. I, I, des- I deserve my bad life. And, you know, I, there's no way I can be useful in your, in, your, in your kingdom anymore. Yeah, notice what you just said. Everything you just said was all about who? Yeah, me. Sean, <laughs> look at me. Look how bad I am. Yeah. God could never use me. It's kind of a paradox, but that kind of low self-esteem is very self-centered. Yeah, It's that false humility. Oh, woe is me, woe is me. And the focus is always on me rather than look at God. Look what God has done in my life. Paul was able to get past his horrible failures. Mm by looking at his past with God's perspective. Yeah, he never did that, did he? He never had that attitude. I, I think that, that we now recognize, some of us, we we have learned to, to compensate in things in life by saying, you know, don't you feel bad for me, Rick? Don't you feel bad for me? As a way or a means of manipulation. And God wonderfully says, nope, I'm stopping that right now. <laughs> and you'll notice in Scripture, every time Paul told his story, and he did, he told yeah. his story about, here's where I was, here's what God did. Every time he tells the story, the focus is never on, look how bad I was, even though he was bad and he said he was bad. The focus of those passages is always on, look how much greater God's grace is. Yes, And it was always the focus on, God's forgiveness, not my mistakes. That's wonderful. Anything else that, how, how else can I recoup or, or get some spiritual velocity in pushing past my past? 
Well, again, I think a big part of it has to do with your focus. Are you going to focus on yourself or on serving others? Everything that Paul discovered and passed on to us was if if we can really let God forgive our past, what it happens, Sean, it liberates us to serve others in the future. So the focus is always on the future, not the past. Yeah. It's on others, not ourself. Yeah. To me, that's very liberating in life. That's, you know, what other, <laughs> I'm trying to think, what other, I hate to put it this way, but that's for sake of, lack of a sake of, a, um, lack of other terms, to say what other religion in the world does that? None. None yeah. that I know of. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, because m- most religions <clears throat> always focus on performance. Uh, here's what I have done to win the favor of my God. Only Christianity says I could never do anything to win the favor of God. It's God reaching down to me, not me reaching up to God. Yeah, and that God takes the initiative. That God is the one who initiates. God saves. God calls, God forgives, and as the old hymn said, you know, our job is nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross, cross I, I cling. cling. Yeah, yeah. Rick, what are some of the other tools that, that God gives us? What advantages does God give us as disciples to move from our past and looking towards our future? Think of it as a construction job. Uh, you know, to, to build a house, to build a building, mm-hmm. you, you need the right materials. God wants to rebuild us for the future. And so th- there are things like Scripture. What mm. happens when we, the more we read Scripture, we begin to see God's perspective. Yes. We, we get a Christian worldview rather than a secular humanistic worldview. Mm. Uh, worship. When you go to worship, an amazing thing happens. You go in maybe feeling rotten because of what you've done maybe in the last week, but you go into worship, and again, what do you see? You see God's perspective, that God is love, that God forgives. Mm. One reason I love here at Grace, we do weekly communion. Mm. And I love that because every week we come back to the foot of the cross, every week we take communion, and so every week we are reminded, oh, this is God's perspective, that God has forgiven me. So every Sunday, it's a, it's a, a, re, a reboot, a yeah. restart. It's a, you get a mulligan, yeah. and you get to start over again. <laughs> um, fellowship, just, you know, I love small groups. When we get together in small groups, we remind each other, hey, we all struggle. We all go through difficulties. Yeah. We all fail. But God is in the business of helping failures reboot and restart again. And yeah. to to use the biblical terms, we're born again. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that that last part about it, why we need other people, I mean, I think it's it's clear in Scripture and, and for me experientially, I need people to see in me what I don't see myself or to pick up on things that that are that need to be reversed or need to be excised out of my life that I don't see. I, we all have blind spots. Yeah, and the negative self-talk is amazing. Ooh. When we fail, when we blow it, we just love to beat up on ourselves with negative self-talk. When you have fellowship with other Christians, they're going to be speaking God's truth, not your negative self-talk, but God's positive truth 
into your life. That is why fellowship is so important. Yeah. You know, another thing I was thinking about, too, is it's important for us to, um, if other people are speaking into my life, uh, I need to I need to let uh, God's gifts come out of me as well. God's gifted every believer, right? So I need to start thinking about other people. I need to see how can I benefit them? Uh, what spiritual uh, help or benefit can I be uh, for them as well? So here you come full circle. If you focus on your past... You're going to be negative, critical. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be bitter, resentful, angry. Uh, you're going to feel like giving up. If you focus on the future, you are liberated to get the focus off of you mm. onto others. The focus off of your negative self-talk onto what God is saying about you. Wow. Wow. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> I'm so glad Paul said that. So uh, now he said something else. He said, I'm going to press on towards that goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And all of us who are mature should take a view of such a thing. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. And I I, I see in that passage this picture of discipleship, of relearning how to do life. Um, You know, why was was Paul, uh, why, why was he so... Um, focused on wanting to see new things happening. Well, in other words, I'm, I'm talking about his aspiration, aspirations or goals. Um, so how did those things change for him, and and why should we start thinking that too? You know, maybe part of the answer is, I don't know about you, Sean, but when I was born in the hospital, they, they did not give me a manual on here's how you succeed in life. When I left the hospital, I didn't get that manual. How about you? <laughs> nope. But the amazing thing about Scripture, and Paul, of course, was inspired by the Holy Spirit to to write a big chunk of the New Testament, is if you want to press on, if you want to hit the finish line, if you want to reach the goal, you've got to be mature. Yes. You cannot stay in an immature, childish state of just doing the same stupid things over and over again, paying stupid tax your whole mm-hmm. life. And I just described a lot of people that I know. <laughs> Me. <laughs> the, the key is you, you have to relearn what life is all about. You have to learn how does life work? How do you succeed? I love Scripture because it truly is, I believe, it's like a manual for life. It is a, a roadmap that will lead you, if we press on, it's a roadmap that will get you to uh, to the goal line. Yeah. And you will, as I said Sunday, you will be able to finish strong. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, Rick, I, I think about, um, you know, you and I, we've, we've done funerals for old people. We've done them for young people. Um, is it safe to say that, that age has nothing to do with finishing strong? Absolutely. Um, I have done funerals for... People who are 85 years old, honestly, Sean, they can look in the rearview mirror of their life and they would have to say, what was that all about? Mm. They never discovered God's purpose for their life. And they had 85 years to figure it out and they never did. It's one of the saddest parts of my job is doing funerals for people who never figured it out, who never got the purpose of life. I've done funerals for 
young men, young women who died maybe in their 20s, and yet they discovered at some point early that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. They accomplished more for God in their short life than the guy who lived 85 years. Wow. Wow. Well, I think all of us who's listening, I mean, I think anybody who'd be listening to this podcast would say, well, I don't want to end up, I don't want, I don't want to be old when I don't want to die right now. So I hope you're paying attention if you're driving, listen to this, but I want to make sure that, that when I look in the, as you said, looking in the rear view of my life, I want to make sure that I've, I see lots of landmarks that I help build, but we all know that Satan wants to foul us up. What are the things that Satan does to foul us up and how do we avoid them? Yeah, I, I would say that the secret sauce, first of all, to finishing strong, uh-huh. is, I would say twofold. Number one, establish good habits early in life. Mm. Now, if you, you say, well, wait, I'm kind of past early. Well, start where you are. But I've learned the great success stories, people establish good habits early, and then they maintain these habits through life. So it's establishing and then maintaining. Uh, For example, exercise. Um, People who struggle and struggle and struggle, for example, with their weight. Very often they did not establish good habits early in life of exercising. And so, man, you wait till you're 50, 60 years old. The doctor says, hey, you got to get rid of some of that weight. You need to start exercising. Mm. It's hard. Mm -hmm. But if you've been exercising since you're 15, 18 years old, it just becomes a part of your daily routine. Sean, sometime back I read an interesting uh, example. Did you know that if you drink one soda, a regular soda, a day, by the end of the year, that's going to put 11 pounds on your body. Holy smoke. 11 pounds. Oh. So then you say, well, what if I blow it off and go two years? Now you got 22 pounds you got to deal with. Ugh. So what would happen if you said, you know what, that's a bad habit. So I'm going to establish a good habit on January 1st. I'm not going to drink that one soda a day. Mm. By establishing that good habit by the end of the year, there will be 11 pounds that you don't have to get rid of. Hmm. Now, what's the secret? You got 365 days in between, and you have to maintain that habit all the way through. It's the same with Bible study. Learn to study your Bible early in life, and it becomes a routine. Finances. Oh, my goodness, Sean. We, we know the devastation that happens if people don't develop good financial habits early, early in life. You know, 20 years old, they get their credit card, they jack it up, they max it out, and they will struggle and struggle and struggle for years. And then they turn 65 and they live happily ever after on Social Security because they didn't save anything. Mm. So establish good habits early, maintain these habits through life. How's Satan going to foul us up? It's not rocket science. Satan's number one goal will to be convince you, Sean, you don't need to maintain that habit. Mm. You don't need to have a a quiet time and study the Bible today. You did yesterday, and you'll you'll probably tomorrow, so why don't you just skip today? (laughs) And that's how Satan gets us. Yeah, and then when I start 
when I start thinking, oh, no, I've, I've messed up, i messed up. What does Satan do to me then? Uh, you, you're lousy, bud. Yeah. <laughs> How could you call yourself a Christian? I mean, look, you haven't studied the Bible in a week. Can you call yourself a Christian? Uh, so Satan, he could care less if he's got you in the ditch of pride or the ditch of of low self-esteem, Ooh. as long as he's got you off the road. That's a bad way to drive. It is. Go from one one ditch to the other. You know, it, it makes me think, when you when you say habits, um, I, I think about the fact that, that uh, th- there are certain things called keystone habits. I forgot the author who, who made that statement, but keystone habits are, are habits that we develop that, that um, um, they... Uh, they birth other good habits. Like I heard a person who said they stopped smoking. So the moment they stopped smoking, they also started eating better. They started to work out and they lost weight. And because of that, they became a better employee. And the the management position they always wanted, they not only got that, but they started to get even better at their job. All because they decided that they were going to start uh having a better uh, habit in their life. So so I think about this, you know, the, what is the root word of discipline? It's yeah. Disciple. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the positive ripple effect. The yeah. positive ripple effect that you just described. You, you decide, I'm not going to drink a soda a day. I'm going to drink a bottle of water a day. Yeah. The positive instead of the negative. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, Hey, folks, I hope that you keep on coming to this series. And uh, you know what? I was about to say, in two more weeks, I get to to speak on something. So I guess you're going to plan on having laryngitis in a couple weeks? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm looking forward to it. You're going to get to do the last message in yeah. the series, How to Enjoy the Rest of Your Life. And it's all about contentment, learning yes. to be content. Mm-hmm. This Sunday, I'm excited. The title is Keep a Positive Attitude. If you want to enjoy the rest of your life, you've got to keep a positive attitude. Now, don't get the idea that this is going to be some kind of self-help, power of positive thinking. No, this is the power of biblical thinking. And we're going to see how Paul, with a biblical perspective, was able to maintain a positive attitude, even in the midst of being locked up in prison. Wow. So I'm looking forward to this Sunday. Fantastic. Anything else that's coming up in the future we got to know about? You know, I know it's a little ways out, but I'm excited about Easter weekend at Grace coming up April 11 and 12. I hope people will join us for one of the three services. The Grace Choir and Band have already started practicing. They've got some great music. And, uh, you know, the preaching may be weak that day, (laughs) but uh, good music covers a multitude of sin. I think that's a... Isn't that a verse somewhere in the Bible? I, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty twisted scripture. Probably there. <laughs> No, it's going to be fantastic, April 11th and 12th. And, uh, you know, now's a good time to be thinking, everybody, about who are you praying for to invite, right? Who yeah. are we praying for and who are we thinking about? How can we invite? You're going to give us some invite cards, isn't that right? Absolutely. We, uh, we've ordered 10,000 invitation cards, and we'll bundle them up and ask our members to start inviting their friends. Yeah. Yeah, Easter is just a great time for people maybe who have drifted and dropped out. Right, great time to reconnect and re-engage with God. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us, Rick.
Thanks again for being with us today. We hope that you have been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments at info at roselgrace.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And do us a favor by sharing this podcast on your favorite social media platform. For more information about Grace Community Church, visit us online at roselgrace.com. Until next time, may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus be with you.